0: Everybody has to have an ultra-ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my ultra-ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. You, know, you gotta be unlimited. You, know, you gotta have a thought process of being unlimited. So when people ask you, you know, what you're thinking about or what you wanna do in life or where you wanna go, you gotta be unlimited. Tell them, I'm unlimited. You know what I mean? So when they ask you certain questions like, Who brings you motivation, Russell? Mister Unlimited. Who is your role model, Russell? Unlimited.
1: Welcome to the For the Throne Dynasty Podcast. Starring your defending champion, Randy of House Sanarelli. Ryan of House Palmer, Logan of House Meyer. Tyler of House Para, Danny of House Slatkey, Jake of House Hollyfield. Andy of House Pollock, Michael of House Slatkey. Justin of House St. Peter, Steve of House Ellinger, Garrett of House Sturkin. And Will of House Larson. Welcome back to another episode of the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. Here in our team preview series, we have come to our defending champion, the Amelia Clark Fan Club, which is owned by Randy. And I have not been here for the last. Two weeks now, so hopefully you guys got a chance to listen to my team preview, Johnny Sins and the Flex, and then also Team Little Slads last week. So we're going to talk a little bit about Randy's team today. I'm joined again by Justin, and let me tell you, there's not much negative to say about Randy's team.
0: Yeah, there definitely is not. Um, There's a reason he was the champ. He made a lot of trades to make himself the champ and even like it's some of potential weak points on his roster he's throwing a bunch of assets on, this team is
1: stacked. Looking back at his veterans draft, something I found really, really interesting, knowing he won the championship, is he really only made 22 picks in the veterans draft. So he traded away a lot of his picks packaged together to go ahead and move up. I still remember, and it's interesting and ironic, because he did it with the team that took second place, which is Ryan, He traded up for Ryan's second-round pick to get Dalvin Cook as one of his franchise pieces. So he started off with Odell at the 109, so he had the 9 spot, and then he traded up to get Dalvin Cook. He traded up to get Dalvin Cook at 203, but he still kept his pick, which was 204. He went 203-204, so he got Odell Beckham, Dalvin Cook, and Mike Evans, which were three key pieces to his championship run.
0: looks like he doesn't have a third or a fifth round pick so that might have been part of that
1: yeah I would assume so he also in the 408 gets Darius Geis looking back I think that was a big time reach at some of the players that were there he had been coming off of a torn ACL as is and then he got injured again so obviously he couldn't predict a second injury but I think for Darius Geis and the player that he is probably could have got someone a, a little better there in the fourth But then at 6.07, he drafts the guy that is now going to be called Mr. Unlimited, (laughs) Russell Wilson, who, to be honest, was his MVP. And I know Randy has said time and time again that if Russell Wilson's healthy, it's going to be very, very hard for him to not be competing for a title. He does have some nice, young, interesting backups at the quarterback behind it. However, Russell Wilson, we know, is a top three quarterback in the NFL.
0: I know. I remember Randy and I were um, talking last year about the draft, and at that point I didn't have a QB yet. And we were trying to get ahead of each other so we could go get a QB. And I remember when he picked Russell Wilson, I was so upset because I was working so hard to go up and get him, and then he turned out to be his MVP. I mean, I have got good QBs now, but Russell would be very nice. 709,
1: he took Darius Leonard, who I will – without question say is going to be the best defensive player for fantasy football purposes he was an absolute monster last year as long uh, as he stays healthy he yeah, missed a couple games yeah he did did miss a couple games uh, but he is a stud mm-hmm. there with the colts and a great defense looking at those six players he still has all six on his team which is you know if it ain't broke don't fix it so His next four players, then, he had two eighth-round picks, Christian Kirk and Tevin Coleman. He has traded both of those since. Curtis Samuel, he took in the 10th. He did not have a ninth. Trey Burton in the 11th. Trey Burton was supposed to be his starting tight end because that was his first one he took, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. In the 12th, then, he took Deion Jones, who is with the Falcons, another IDP. In the thirteenth, he took Cameron Jordan. Fourteenth, Jimmy Garoppolo. Fifteenth, Dante Moncrief, who in the first game was a huge meme with the Steelers when they got just slapped by the Patriots. Because Dante Moncrief dropped six balls, I think, from my yeah. Coach.
0: I know that he was cut within a few games of the <laughs> Steelers. So,
1: and then he went back to back with another Steeler and Jalen Samuels in the sixteenth. Dallas Goddard in the seventeenth. Man, looking back at that. Regardless of him being a quote-unquote backup tight end, that's unbelievable value looking forward.
0: Yeah, I don't know how he dropped that far. I think it's just because Zach Ertz was a monster, but both the two tight end package in Philly, they both can average around 10 points a game, which is great for a tight end.
1: In the 18th, he took Earl Thomas, 19th, Nelson Aguilar, and then he had a second 19th, so he must have traded it up, and he took Jordan Poyer, who was like his every week, starter in the DB position and he's really really good as well Mm -hmm. so 21st he took his kicker and Jason Myers it was kind of cool that he kept the same kicker the whole season and Jason Myers was his kicker uh when he won the championship 22nd round he took Olivier Vernon and then in the 23rd he took one of the best Viking prospects of all time Laquan Treadwell (laughs) (laughs) Looking at his team breakdown there for the vet draft, he has nine of his 22 players that he originally drafted from the vets. Looking at his rookie draft then, what a goddamn draft again he had with the rookies. So he only had four picks, but he had the 106, and he took Miles Sanders. Man, probably the second best player behind Josh Jacobs in that class.
0: For fantasy-wise, for sure. Yes.
1: Uh, And then the 207, I don't get this as well. He takes A.J. Brown in the middle of the second. What the heck? You know, he's probably a top five player from that class as well for the rookie class. Mm -hmm. In the third round, he takes Jay Sternberger, who, you know, had a potential. And guess what? Now, I think you have him, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, so now he's the starting tight end with the Green Bay Packers, so he no longer has him. And then in the fourth, he takes Josh Allen, the defensive player who was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He still has him on his team. So he still does have three of those four. This draft, like top to bottom, even with Sternberger being a Packers starter,
0: the, he won the draft last yeah. year. The, there's no question. With the, the value he got with Miles Sanders and A.J. Brown, and the fact that Josh Allen is a young stud pass rusher too, and then just throw in a guy who's going to be the Packers starting tight end, although he got rid of him Still. That was,
1: wow, what a draft. That's an A-plus draft right there. Mm-hmm. So, let's go ahead and start looking at Randy's depth chart here. Looking at the quarterbacks, it all starts with Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson. Oh, nope,
0: sorry, Mr. Unlimited. Yep. You got you to gotta do the pause.
1: <laughs> so, his second string quarterback I put on here is Gardner Minshew. He was kind of a stud at times last year, and the only thing about Gardner Minshew is he probably has a very short leash because the jags are going to be really really bad this year. You know, if he's a stud this year, I still think it's going to be a long shot for him to be the franchise quarterback if they're bad. It's going to be very hard for them to pass on a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields.
0: I I agree. I agree. And he doesn't he got some more weapons through the draft, but his line is garbage. Yeah,
1: so So third then we got Cam Newton. Cam Newton is back. Uh, Randy was very smart to hold on to him and believe in him, uh, knowing that he was not on the team. He was cut by the Panthers. Randy actually got Cam Newton in a trade where he gave Jimmy Garoppolo away to Andy, and Cam wasn't on the team or was injured at the time of the trade. Randy also has Dwayne Haskins. I would say Dwayne Haskins is the exact same situation as Gardner Minshew. I know they spent a very high pick on Dwayne Haskins, However, if they're as bad as people think they're going to be and Fields or Lawrence is available, very, very hard for them to pass on a guy like that.
0: I agree. Um, I really like the Cam Newton pickup. I think he's going to have a really good comeback year with the Patriots between running and passing. He was, before he got hurt, he was an MVP QB. And even when he wasn't MVP, he was still playing really, really well. And you know Bill Belichick's going to find a way to unlock him. Haskins, I am not a fan of. The Washington football team plays like shit, like we know they will. Yeah, I I don't see Haskins keeping
1: his job for long. Now, Stidham, he also has. That's the last quarterback he has on his team. We're going to get to our opinion on Stidham. But I'd say right now, you know, Stidham was supposed to be the starting quarterback until they went out and they got Cam. The perception is that Cam's going to be the starting quarterback with the Patriots. However, I would hold on to Stidham until the very last second, until that's guaranteed that he is not the starter and then go from there let's look at his running backs. so he's got dalvin cook nick chubb and miles sanders those are three you know probably top 15 running backs easily uh, right there dalvin cook is as we know a top 10 running back nick chubb we're in a ppr setting so he does get diminished a little bit from that however he's also a 1300 yard rusher so not like he's just going to go away even with kareem hunt having a full season miles sanders uh, a lot of hype has been coming from deuce Staley, who's the running back coach for the eagles and he's been saying they're not going to put any limit on any of the passing yards that he gets or the rushes so miles sanders the ceiling is astronomic at this point yeah ceiling ceiling is is the the roof
0: roof. (laughs) uh yeah all three of those guys if if you had three of those three alone Along with like Russell Wilson as your QB, you are going to win fantasy football games, and that's before we even get to the rest of his roster. Sure. Like those guys are just incredible.
1: So he also has Darius Geis, who is somewhat of an interesting, I guess, piece uh, with the Washington football team. And then we also have Adrian Peterson, what is dead may never die, with the Washington football team as well. He's got Alexander Madison, who is his handcuff for Dalvin Cook outstanding job by randy going ahead and getting him madison was looking like he was going to be the starting running back it would have been pretty traumatic and he still would have been really really good it would have been traumatic though if randy lost delvin cook and didn't have madison and then finally he's got reggie bonifin who is the backup or i guess we'll call him a backup with the carolina panthers there right behind christian mccaffrey
0: Although doesn't get many snaps, but it's a good just in case Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. Uh, Peterson, he's no longer the MVP rushing champ that he used to be, but I know Randy is in love with the guy. Uh, and he will give you some solid depth. He'll have like one or two games that will score 100 yards. And beyond that, it's just not much. Uh, I do like Darius Geis a lot. He just, If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be really fucking good. Madison was great. Death piece.
1: Wide receivers. Then we got Julio Jones, Mike Evans, A.J. Brown, and Odell Beckham Jr. Those are his four horses right there. Believe it or not, he's gonna have a trouble deciding on who to start in his second flex when there is no buys. So man, Julio Jones, getting up there in age, but he is easily a wide receiver one. Mike Evans. I'm gonna call him more of a wide receiver too because we have so many guys that are like on the rise, but a very, very high wide receiver too. AJ Brown, we'll see just how good he can get. But I also think of him as a very, very good player. Mm-hmm. Odell Beckham, same exact thing. You know, he's a very, very talented wide receiver. Baker struggled last year. Odell was hurt right in training camp. So it it wasn't as ideal for him of a season. We'll see what happens this year. I know Odell's already pissed that the NFL's playing. I don't know if you saw an article on that.
0: So that it came out weird. is like the NFL didn't have a plan or anything
1: about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Said all the players were like, we want to play, but the NFL doesn't have a plan for us. So then they figured the NFL figured out somewhat of a plan. We'll see if it works. I don't know. Um, and then two weeks after they figured out this plan, the Wall Street Journal released it. Uh, released mm-hmm. this article with Odell where he's like, I'm not sure if we should play. And they released it like it was new information. Ah, so and then terrible. Odell was just like, well, this was two weeks ago. We already <laughs> got a plan now. Yeah. So, yeah. But these four guys, that second flex spot is going to be really interesting week to week to see who he's got. Because you know you got to start Julio, Mike Evans, Delvin Cook, and Nick Chubb. And then both flexes, you got either Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, or Odell. And you're just like, well, all three of these guys that could go off at any time, they're all superstars it'll be
1: fun to watch so some of his other options then he's got Traquan Smith I still like Traquan Smith you know Michael Thomas is there with the Saints they just got Emmanuel Sanders Uh, Traquan Smith is a speedster hasn't really produced so so far but kind of a nice piece to just keep at the end of of the bench in case something would turn around Demarcus Robinson Chiefs offense enough said (laughs) David Moore uh, Russell Wilson throwing him the ball. That's nice. BC Johnson. Dante Pettis, who was last year's darling in the offseason, did nothing. And then he's also got KJ Osborne on his taxi. Looking at his tight ends, then he's got Dallas Goddard. This is the only position of quote unquote weakness that he has. Dallas Goddard is probably still a borderline tight end one. Mm-hmm. And when Ertz is gone, you know, that's another. Outstanding tight end that's going to be right in the system. He's also got Dan, the postman. Shout out footballers Arnold, who is a uh, actually from UW Platteville. I don't know if you knew that.
0: I did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Dan Arnold uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. He's starting tight end. Blake Jarwin, who is kind of a sleeper in my eyes with the Cowboys, just because of McCarthy being there and how much they're really going to pass the ball. Witten now being gone, he's also got Will who who, when healthy, was a stud for the Seahawks, but I feel like he gets like season-ending injuries all the time, and he's like 24 or 25. He's also got Adam Troutman on his taxi, which was a really, really shocking pick for us because Randy only had a fourth, and we thought he was locked in on Thaddeus Moss and didn't take him. And then he's also got Dalton Keene, who is a tight end from the Patriots in this recent draft.
0: His tight ends look... Like I know he can keep saying that his tight ends are a weakness, but combined he's got some good prospects for tight ends. Goddard is still a borderline tight end one, so he just must start pretty much for most weeks, especially when Zach Ertz will get hurt because Zach Ertz will miss a few games every year. Dan Arnold, I'm not too high on beyond the Platteville nod. Uh, Blake Jarwin's going to be a great sleeper. And then the rest of the guys, it's just flyers because Disley's now like a third, second or third string tight end and the, rest, the other guys are rookies. So.
1: so I mentioned a little bit earlier that his kicker is now Matt Prater. He did get rid of Jason Myers, who was his kicker for most of the season. Looking at his IDPs then, he only has one defensive lineman, and that's Joey Bosa. So, I mean, he does have Josh Allen, who does have uh, defensive line flex. But in terms of he's going to be starting Joey Bosa every week that he can. He's just got a massive contract Got the Chargers. I was so hyped about that. Linebackers then. He's got Darius Leonard and Fred Warner really came on the scene. Fred Warner actually won him. I don't know if it was the championship or the semifinal game. But Fred Warner had like a pick six, a fumble recovery. Uh, it was It was either the championship game or the semifinals and randy's like man i found this guy off the waivers for nothing so that's a nice piece i know the 49ers love fred warner he's got josh allen who we already kind of mentioned he was on his taxi for most of the year and then deon jones looking at his dbs he's got jordan poyer he's got jabril peppers who does also have linebacker flexibility and then he also has jeff gladney on his taxi who was the Vikings pick this year. Do you have any extra thoughts on his IDPs?
0: Well, you know that Joey Volsa and Darius Leonard are uh, and probably Jordan Poyer are starters every week and all the rest of the guys are just going for that one IDP flex spot and then whenever those guys are either hurt or in or on bye. Um his like going through his team, I don't really see a big glaring weakness. He's thrown assets at the spots that he needs to and he's got very good players and Maybe towards the very, very end of his bench is not great, but, I mean, you're not going to have great players at the very end of your bench. His team is just so stacked.
1: Let's look at his draft picks then. 2021, you know, he actually has a lot more picks than I originally had thought. So 2021, he has your first-round pick. He has a third, a fourth. He has his own fifth and Sterk's fifth, and then he has a sixth. So he has six picks, just like the rest of us. It's just that you know we he had originally traded them all back, but people keep trading with him and then replenishing his stock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 2022. Then he only has a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. That's it. So just
0: imagine if we only, if we still didn't have a fifth and a sixth round, he would only have one pick again, yeah, just like this pick. past year.
1: Yep. And then 2023, he's got a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So just like normal there. Now, Randy is required to cut five players as of this current moment. And we're going to kind of go through who our cuts are and then if we have any rationale or extra thoughts that we have on it. So who are your five picks for Randy to cut?
0: So right now, because he's got uh, four stud receivers and then Triquan Smith and Demarcus Robinson as good depth pieces, I have him losing quite a bit of his receiving depth. Um, I have B.C. Johnson gone I know he's a Viking fan and B.C. is their pick from last year but with um, both tight ends that the Vikings have uh, all their strength at running back and then you have Thielen and Justin Jefferson I don't see B.C. Johnson being and sharp. And sharp. I don't see B.C. Johnson being rosterable uh, I think as long as Cam Newton takes that quarterback job in New England I think Stidham's uh, expendable especially with the amount of QBs that he's got Uh, David Moore in Seattle, I mean you get some extra points when Russell Wilson throws it to him But I don't see him being rosterable either Um, Then I think you probably have to lose Dan Arnold Because you have so many assets towards the tight end Uh, Goddard's a borderline tight end one Jarwin will be a tight end one And it's probably between Arnold or Disley to who you want to cut I think you cut Darnold at this time Although you could easily cut Disley as well And then for that last pick I thought about getting rid of one more of his depth pieces at wide receiver, but I think you just probably got to go with one of your linebackers at that point. Uh, because he's got Bosa, Leonard, and Poyer, who's going to start every single week, and Fred Warner and Jabril Peppers waiting in the wing with Josh Allen as a monster, I think Deion Jones is expendable that way. Um, he's got so many linebackers, that he doesn't have enough spots to put him in right now,
1: so that's why I think he probably just got to get rid of one of them. So I have B.C. Johnson, Jarrett Stidham, david moore dan arnold and then my last one instead of Dion jones i have is dante pettis i think there are way too many cooks in the kitchen with the san francisco 49ers they just did replenish with brandon Ayuk, and you know when debo is healthy he's like the new one you know and they got kendrick bourne they got like richie james they have just like so many random wide receivers with the 49ers and pettis already as is last year when given the opportunity didn't have a single role so i don't i don't think pettis is is that necessary and i know he picked him up off of uh free agency so i could see him cutting dante pettis
0: i agree pettis did not impress me last year i just with debo's injury he might have a role right now and then when debo comes back he's probably cuttable
1: one thing i just thought of is do you remember there was like a 2 month span where Randy was dangling BC Johnson for trades <laughs> and he was valuing him for like a second round pick or something like yes, that. Yes, and
0: he he tried to trade him to pretty much everybody in the league and everybody's just like, "Who the fuck is this
1: guy and why do we want him?" He's like the 6 string wide receiver with the Vikings. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to come right back and we're going to talk a little bit about some commentary about Randy's team. <laughs> Another Jackman, Vrikino Shora, Mama Quevea Fin Moriatihimai. What's he saying? He says yes. You shall have a golden crown that men shall tremble to behold. That was all I wanted. What are some things that you remember about Randy's team, or your thoughts?
0: Randy's team was good going into the year. Um, we thought it was going to be pretty good, and then he just started making trade after trade after trade to make this team just as unstoppable as it was. Um, I just remember him. Just one week, he'd trade for the, all of his future picks off for Julio Jones, and he'd replete, then he replenish someone on the trade, and then he go and went and got. Uh, I think it was Nick Chubb. And then he went and got the next guy and the next guy. He had so many big money trades to try to make it work. And we're all just like, well, if he makes it work, it's amazing. If he doesn't make it work, he's fucking up his future. <laughs> he made it work. He won, he won the championship. He's another favorite to repeat. It was just some of the moves you were making at the time, you are like, holy shit.
1: And it worked. Yeah, I would say that going into this year, he is a very heavy favorite to repeat just by looking at his team. There are a couple teams at the top that have made some moves necessary to try to close the gap. One of those trades that he did make at the deadline was he traded Curtis Samuel to me, a first round pick, which ended up turning into the 111, a second round pick, which ended up being the 211, a 2021 third. So that's four pieces right there. And I ended up giving him Julio, who I got from Little Slad or from D Slads a couple weeks earlier than that, and a fourth round pick. So, you know, when you put this in the calculator, it actually considers me as the winner. I don't know how you feel about that. I got a first, I got a second, Curtis Samuel, and a third.
0: I still, yeah, I think with the depth that you got, I think you win that. But at the same time, you look at who the best player is. And that was Julio, Julio yeah. by far. Uh at the same you could turn in all those assets into a really good player, or you could draft a stud into your third round pick, you never know. Samuel's gonna be a good player, but if that Julio just helped solidify his team is unstoppable.
1: Would you like Curtis Samuel to be on the Packers right now?
0: I would love Curtis Samuel to be on the Packers. <laughs> I, I I mean I like that Functius signing, but Samuel would have been much better.
1: <laughs> Especially now, because Funtius isn't even playing.
0: Yep, he opted out.
1: So he ended up trading Jimmy Garoppolo over to Andy, who needed a quarterback bad. She had Cam, and Cam was injured. So Andy was doing whatever she possibly could to get a quarterback. So he traded away Jimmy G to Andy for Matt Burita, who is basically like the 1B with the Dolphins, and Cam Newton, who is now a starting quarterback. So looking at that, I mean, yes, Andy got a starting quarterback for the rest of the season, but I think Randy really won that trade just because he got a, a pretty solid you know, flex piece at the running back and then also a starting quarterback.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Andy needed a QB, and I know she was frantic at the time and she, to make sure she could have a legal lineup, but Randy definitely won that trade, and that's, that's, that's why you need some depth at all your positions because once you don't have that depth, you're scrambling to try to make it work.
1: He also made a massive trade for Nick Chubb, so he traded away Matt Breida. We just talked about Cameron Jordan, a 2021 first, a 2021 second, 2022 first, 2022 second. So we can assume that. And fab. And $75 worth of fab, which I don't know if D. he spent that, but it's not going to carry over because mm-hmm. that just goes into effect this year. So all of that for Nick Chubb. We'll have to see who those players end up being. I'm pretty sure that D. he used some of those in his Christian McCaffrey trade.
0: It would make sense, but for Randy, Nick Chubb is by far the best player. Until we figure out who all those guys are going to be, but for right now, Randy easily won that trade because Nick Chubb is a fucking stud. He's going to be a top ten running back this year.
1: I remember strictly after that, I think we were like texting around. We're like, guys, stop fucking trading with Randy, and then like people were like, dude. Don't trade any picks to Randy. His future's done. And then you screw it up, and you trade away Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a third, and a first, which is yours, Mm -hmm. in exchange for Christian Kirk. You wish you could have that trade back, or not as much. It's not like it was a completely destroying trade of you, but you did give away a first, third, and then a wide receiver.
0: See, Valdez-Scantling, to me, wasn't a huge loss. No, yeah, that was
1: definitely. Third
0: round, okay, fine. The first is where I probably... I, I would have rather traded two seconds. Um, the first was a little bit too much. I reached I love Kirsten Kirk, and I reached too much. And now, especially with DeAndre Hopkins in the fold, I'm going to try to play him a lot, but DeAndre Hopkins just took away a lot of the value that I currently have with him.
1: So I'm pulling out the kelk right now. Just looking at it right now, do you think that your first will be early, mid, or late?
0: I'll just, I'll just say mid just to All make right, it... We'll do- I, I usually put it in as mid. So we'll, we'll, we'll do case. a
1: mid, and then we'll do Christian Kirk. Okay, so it's not bad. It's not bad. Christian Kirk has a point value of 13.8, and the first-round pick is a 15.1. It's just a matter of looking back. Do you say, uh, I still would rather have the pick, or I'd rather have Christian Kirk? We'll see what happens this year. Wait. I mean,
0: I'd still i rather have Christian Kirk, but the pick, it, it's going to haunt me, I think, to this, for a while.
1: He traded away a third-round pick for Haskins, and I remember we were all like, why? It was so pointless. I think it was more questionable on the other end of things. It was with little slads and little slads. He doesn't have any, like, starting quarterbacks now. I mentioned that Randy also went ahead and he got Alexander Madison from Will, who Will had drafted in the rookie draft. Uh, He gave away Tevin Coleman and a third-round pick. So, you know, Alexander Madison is a top-five handcuff. Mm -hmm. And what I have learned is because – I had two really good handcuffs. I had Chase Edmonds, and I had Tony Pollard. And I traded them for way less than I probably should have to the owners that had Zeke and Kenyon Drake. Looking back now, with that in mind, I think for Madison, you could have at least got a second-round pick. Like, he, if you he would have got Tevin Coleman in a second, I'd call that a win for Will. Um, for, like, a handcuff, I wouldn't say that you should be trading away a first. But, like, a second that's where we're seeing like in this last draft you saw like a zach moss and uh, a.j dillon Mm -hmm. you know some of these running back Antonio gibson and those are all running backs that they're not going to necessarily be the starter right away but they're going to be high value if the guy in front of them would get injured it's not as bad as i initially thought for will but i I do wish that he could have got a second so i I consider that a a win for randy just because he got his handcuff and Delvin's hurt all the time.
0: At the time, I thought for sure that Will actually won this. Um, just because Tevin Coleman is, was the starting running back when he was healthy uh, and a third-round pick. Um, but then looking back, like now, when Madison went and filled in for Delvin Cook, he was really, really good. And then when you thought that Cook was going to hold out, then Madison's value became even higher. We will see who is the better running back this year because I think Tevin's probably going to be their starter. But, yeah, for right now, Madison, that was a big win. With Randy being a Vikings fan, he has a large amount of Vikings on his roster. And you can sort of say the same thing about me with the Packers. Um, I have plenty of Packers as well. Uh, I know in this offseason we're both probably going to be cutting some of those and it'll be look like a better um, suited roster uh, with some of your guys but not enough to make it where you have – like half your team be Vikings or Packers. I think at this point, BC is probably going to be cut, and we'll see who else. I think he can chill out at tight end for a little bit and be just fine. I think I need to start being worried about my tight end <laughs> position more than he does. Yeah, da- Dawson
1: Knox is your guy, right?
0: Uh, Dawson or Jay Sternberger, another one of Randy's picks, which is why he or, won. Or O.J. Howard. Or which is why he won the rookie draft last year. I, I think it's phenomenal every time there's a draft or a trade made. I just wait to hear Randy's take about it because he's he's always got a really strong opinion about one way or another, and it's always funny. I I enjoy waiting to see what he's going to talk about with it. I'm also very confused looking at how stacked his roster is once he did most of these trades. How in the hell did he not score 100 points one week last year? I think it was against Taco. Yeah. So first of all, you lost to Taco. (laughs) And then how in the hell did his team not get 100 points one week? His team should be scoring like 120 minimum per week. Uh, and this is after he's traded for a bunch of these guys that were... Fl- I think they must have been like injury and bye week riddled. It was, it's was. it got to be insane. Uh, and then the last point I have is this, this is a really, really tiny gripe compared to how good his team is this year. Uh, his taxi squad's a little weak just because he only had one draft pick this year. I think next year when he has his full complement of picks back, he'll, his taxi squad will be much better and he'll be better for the future right now who's just it, he's young guys are starters and he doesn't have much young guy depth behind it that's all it is It's the vikings receivers going back to my point about the packers and the vikings there's obviously uh phelan and justin jefferson who they just picked up so who's that third receiver gonna be tajay sharp as as the proven receiver in the league he's just a solid guy and then you have bc johnson who randy was literally trying to pawn off to every single person in <laughs> the league and no one knows who the fuck he is So I think we know who's going to win that battle, but, I mean, we'll defer to the Vikings, guy.
1: I know Randy will not like this comment, but I strongly believe Tajay Sharp is going to make the roster. He is better than BC Johnson. He did have some decent sprints there with the Tennessee Titans. Tajay Sharp is actually pretty solid. BC Johnson, on the other hand, is not solid. So I think that... If there was a Viking 2 roster, if you wanted BC, it should be Tajay Sharp. I don't like Darius Geis. I know that you said you're okay on Darius Geis. Uh, I know that he has had a couple solid games. Like, he's way too injury for my liking. I still remember that he was valuing Darius Darius Geis as a first-round pick. I don't know if he still does. Hopefully not. Uh, But he is definitely not a first-round pick. He's way too injury-prone. And with Washington there, they got way too many running backs. They They got like like, eight. Yeah. (laughs) So there's no even guarantee that Darius Geis, if he's healthy, is going to be the guy with the Washington football team. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Another note I have in here is a trade he made with me. He sent Adrian Peterson back to himself. So he gave me a third, fourth and 2021 fourth for AP, a fourth and a third, a lot of just, you know, numbers in that situation. But he got his guy and his favorite player. Uh, That's what you love about Dynasty. Another thing is, this is obviously joking, but Mr. Unlimited may need to be traded. I know I was just messaging Randy on Discord before this. I'm like, this dude needs to stop. Like He is beyond cringe. And Randy's like, this is why we invest in young quarterbacks. And he said that Dwayne Haskins trade ain't looking too bad now, is it? (laughs) If you have not seen the Mr. Unlimited video with Russell Wilson, uh, don't do it. You're not going to like it. (laughs) Uh, And then the final thing I wanted to kind of mention in here is, you know, fantasy football is obviously fun for, you know, being competitive against your friends. But uh, we have a very intense battle. I'm going to be playing Randy twice this year, and we have Chick-fil-A on the line in a side bet in both matchups. So I know we're both hyped up. I know I am going to be getting two juicy meals of Chick-fil-A from Randy. It's going to be a beautiful sight. Can't wait to get those waffle fries, that Chick-fil-A sauce. It's going to be incredible. And on that note, I also suggest a lot of you other guys to do side bets because they're just fun. And it's another way to be competitive outside of just standings. We're going to be right back to talk about Randy's 2019 season, which was very close to perfect.
0: Come bow before your king, bow your shits.
1: We're gonna take a look here at Randy's 2019 season. Looking at this tab here, there's a ton of green. That's good. So week one, Randy started off against D. Sladkey, and he won by about 15 points. Randy's leading score was Dalvin Cook with 26, and D. Sladkey's leading score was Carson Wentz with 31. So Randy starts off the year at one and zero. In the second week, Randy played Andy and beat her by about twenty-three points. His leading score was Russell Wilson with thirty point two. Andy's leading score was Travis Kelsey with twenty-three point seven. Randy moved to two and zero. Oh. In week three, then Randy faced off against Stirk Daddy and beat him by thirty-three. Russell Wilson was his leading scorer with 45.3. Tyler Lockett was Garrett's leading scorer with 32.4. And Randy moved to 3-0. Oh. In Week 4, Randy played against Tyler and beat him by 31. Randy's leading scorer was Wayne Gallman with 27.8. And Tyler's leading scorer was an IDP. Jordan Hicks was 16.5. So Randy started his year off at 4-0. Oh. However... He took the big fat L to yours truly by four points. His leading score was Russell Wilson with 37.9. My leading score was Patrick Mahomes with 20.5. Randy moved to four and one with the emphasis on the one. In week six, then, Randy played against Justin and beat him by 33. Randy's leading score was Russell Wilson with 32.9, and Justin's leading score was Dak Prescott with 18.2. Randy moved to five and one in week seven. this was not his game in which he did not score hundred, but Randy loses to Taco. he lost to him by twenty four Randy's leading score was Dalvin Cook with twenty seven point nine and Taco's leading score was Jared Goff with twenty nine Randy moved to five and two in week eight. Randy beat Rowdy. And Randy scored over 200 points in this matchup and beat Rowdy by 40. Randy's leading score was Mike Evans with 42.8. Rowdy's leading score was Deshaun Watson with 33.7. Randy moved to 6 and 2. In week 9, Randy played against Will and beat Will by 84 points. Clapping. <laughs> Randy's leading score was Russell Wilson with 49.2. Will's leading score was Derrick Henry with 24.9. Randy moved to 7-2. and two. In Week 10, Randy played against Ryan and lost by 12 points. Randy's leading scorer was Delvin Cook with 31.3, and then Ryan's was Lamar Jackson with 39.4. Randy moved to 7-3. And, and then continued his losing streak, moving it to 2. In Week 11 against Jake, where Randy only scored 97 points.
0: And loses
1: point, how does he do that? Yeah, i don't get it. <laughs> loses to Jake by 68 points. Randy's leading score was Dalvin Cook with 16.7. Jake's leading score was DJ Chark with 30.4. Randy is now seven and four on the year. In week 12, Randy played against D. Sladke and beat him by five. Randy's leading score was Nick Chubb with 25.4. D. Sladke's leading score was Jarvis Landry with 36.8 moving Randy to eight and four. And then finally in week 13, Randy played against Andy and beat her by only eight and a half. His leading score was Russell Wilson with 20.9. Andy's leading score was Cooper cup with 18.5. Randy ends the regular season at nine and four. Moves on to the playoffs then. And Randy gets a bye. He is, one of the top teams. He's the number two seed and Ryan chose to play against Will, which means that Randy played against Rowdy. Well, Randy beat Rowdy by 17. Julio Jones was his leading scorer with 38.4. Zeke was leading scorer for Rowdy with 31. Moving Randy into the championship against Ryan, where he beat Ryan by about six points. Julio Jones was his leading scorer with 27.6. Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 36.8, giving Randy the first inaugural championship for the For the Throne League. We're going to come right back and preview Randy's 2020 season. opponents he's going to play twice this year include Justin and me. Interesting, we're both doing the same pod. (laughs) So in week one, Randy plays against Justin. Sleeper is projecting that Randy wins by twenty-three point nine.
0: I'm projecting that will not be. (laughs) It will be
1: twenty-four point nine. So Randy in the running backs is having Delvin Cook and Miles Sanders. In his flex, he's got Nick Chubb and A.J. Brown. On Justin's end, he's got Jonathan Taylor and Tariq Cohen. At tight end, he's got Jay Sternberger. And then in the flex, he's got Devontae Parker and Christian Kirk. With that in mind, Randy would move to 1-0 and on the season, continuing his win streak from last year. In Week 2, Randy plays against me, and Sleeper is projecting that Randy wins by 11.5. In this matchup, Randy has Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, and Mike Evans. He, in the flex, has Miles Sanders and Julio Jones. On my end, I got Saquon and James Conner. And then I got A.J. Green as my second wide receiver with Adam Thielen and Jamison Crowder in the flex. With this win, then, Randy would move to 2-0 on the season. In week three, Randy plays against Will. Sleepers projecting Randy wins by 7.4. In this matchup, Randy's running backs are, of course, Dolphin Cook and Miles Sanders. In the flex, though, he's got Nick Chubb and Darius Geis for the first time. And Will's side, he's got Austin Eckler and Le'Veon Bell. In the flex, he's got DK Metcalf and James White. With this victory, Randy would move to 3-0 on the season, very similar to last year. In week four, Randy's playing against Sturk Daddy. Sleeper's projecting Randy to win by 6.7. In this matchup, Randy in the flex has A.J. Brown and Odell Beckham. On Sturk Daddy's side, in the flex, he's got Josh Jacobs and David Johnson. In his running backs, he's got Carson and Melvin Gordon. With this victory, Randy would move to 4-0. Does the winning continue? It does not. Randy, in Week 5, plays against D. Slatke, and Sleeper's projecting that Randy loses by 5.8. Randy has Matt Prater on bye, so he needs to find a kicker option. Interestingly enough, in the quarterback position, Randy has Gardner Minshew, and then in the flex, he's going to have Miles Sanders and Odell Beckham. On Danny's side, he's got, of course, Christian McCaffrey and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. In his second wide receiver, he's got Hunter Renfro, and in the flex, he's got Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert. So with this loss, Randy would move to 4-1. and one. In week six, Randy plays against Tyler, and Randy has five players on by, Russell Wilson, Jarrett Stidham, Cam Newton, David Moore, and Will Disley. Sleeper is projecting that Randy wins this matchup by 28.9, an absolute destroying show even with Gardner Minshew being in his quarterback. In his running back two position, he has Darius Geis, and in flex, he's got Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. On Tyler's side, he has Daryl Henderson and Kareem Hunt in his running backs, Brandon Cooks as his wide receiver two. In the flex, he would have Eric Ebron and James Washington. With this victory, Randy would move to five and one. In Week 7, Randy's hit pretty hard by bye, however, Sleeper's still projecting that he wins by .5 against Spaceballs. On bye, Randy has Delvin Cook, A.J. Brown, Darius Leonard, Garrett Gardner Minshew, Alexander Madison, B.C. Johnson, and Josh Allen. In this matchup, Randy would have Nick Chubb and Miles Sanders in his running backs. In flex, he would have Darius Geis and Julio Jones. On the space side, he has Zeke and Mark Ingram, and then Tyler Boyd and Allen Robinson. In the flex, he would have Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. With this victory, Randy would move to 6-1. and one. Justin's going to take it in Week 8.
0: In Week 8, Randy uh, should be able to clap Andy, according to the projections, where he's projected to win 173.6 to 137.3, 36-point victory. This week he has Dwayne Haskins, Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, and Dan Arnold on bye, all depth pieces. So he'd be starting Delvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and then Odell Beckham and A.J. Brown in the flexes. Where Andy has Zach Moss and DeAndre Swift as their running backs, and Tyler Lockett and Cooper Cupp as their wide receivers, and Curtis Samuel and John Brown as their flex pieces. We now see why Steve projects Randy to become 7-1 and one after week 8. In Week 9, Randy is projected to have another victory, uh, this time by 11, over Michael Sladke, with a 150.9 victory to 139.9. Randy is going to have Nick Chubb, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, and Odell Beckham Jr. on bye this week. Rough week for byes. So his projected QB would be Cam Newton this week, and he'd also be starting Darius Geis as they running back, too. With... A.J. Brown, and Adrian Peterson as his other flex options. Little Slads would have Nick Foles at the QB in this matchup, along with Dave Montgomery and Todd Gurley, Tyreek Hill and Cortland Sutton, and Derek Henry and Terry McLaurin. After Week 9, Randy would be 8-1. and one. We move on to Week 10, where Randy is once again winning, according to Sleeper, with a 161.4 to 149.1 victory over Jake. This week, Randy would lose Julio Jones, Joey Bosa, Demarcus Robinson, Blake Jarwin, and Dion Jones to buy. So he'd still be starting Dalvin Cook and Miles Sanders, Mike Evans and Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb and A.J. Brown in his flex spots, where Jake in this spot doesn't have a kicker, uh, and he's got Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Debo Samuel, T.Y. Hilton, Devin Singletary, and Darius Slayton starting. After week 10, according to Sleeper, Randy is 9-1. Moving on to week 11 we find a championship matchup with him and Ryan. According to Sleeper, Randy wins this, 168 to 159.5 making him a 10-1 on the year. Randy would have Dalvin Cook and Miles Sanders, Julio Jones and Odell Beckham, Mike Evans and Darius Geis. He'd lose some IVP guys and Jordan Poyer and Fred Warner and Jabril Peppers and. Dante Pettis to be still on the team. Uh, Ryan would lo- have Elvin Kamara, Kenyon Drake, Kenny Galladay, and DJ Moore, Leonard Fournette, and DJ Chark. After week 11, Randy is 10-1. In week 12, NFL still doesn't have bye weeks in week 12, but Randy would beat me by 31, 173.8 to 142.5. Um, he would have all of his usual suspects in the running backs, wide receivers, and flex spots. His full complement of lineup. I'd have Kyler starting with Jonathan Taylor, Tariq Cohen, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Devontae Parker, and Sammy Watkins all starting. And I'd lose by 30. So, Randy would be 11-1 and and heading into Week 13. His last tune-up before the playoffs, where he is projected to lose to my co-host in this podcast, Logan, 169-168. Uh, he only has Mike Evans and Reggie Bonifant and by that week, so he would be starting Odell and Miles Sanders in the flex. Oh, such a loss. Uh, <laughs> uh, Logan would have uh, Sa- Saquon, James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Preston Williams, and Jamison Crowder. This would be quite the matchup. and would probably be for seeding for the playoffs.
1: So Sleeper is projecting an 11-2 record. If we go ahead and look at our projections, we both have 11-2 as well. I think there's going to be a couple very close matchups, even with how dominant his team is. But those games might not necessarily change him being the overall number one seed at the end of the season. We'll have to see what happens and if any other teams have players that just completely break out. But he will for sure be a top three team. I can put money on that.
0: As can I. His team is stacked from top to bottom. And there are some close matchups according to these sleeper projections. And he might lose a game or two more than we have in our projections. But he's going to be a top three team next year.
1: Next week we are going to be previewing the runner-up from last season. Which is Prince Palmer according to sleeper team Prince Palmer hit the crickets boring name we'll see you next week
0: there will be more fights to come
1: and I will stand behind Randy Santarelli.
0: the king in the north the king in the north (laughs)